This is episode 273, featuring a coaching call with a runner named Ivan on how to bounce back from adversity, burnout, and illness. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode is a coaching call with a member of Team Strength Running named Ivan. Ivan has been struggling lately with his running from feeling burned out to getting COVID and not knowing how to get his training back on track. Our goal in this conversation today is to pinpoint any red flags in Ivan's training and help him regain the consistency that he knows he needs. If you're new here, this show features training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space to elevate your thinking about the sport. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. But Strength Running is not just a podcast. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel at youtube.com slash strengthrunning. And you can find me on Instagram at jasonfitz1. Our home base is strengthrunning.com. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world, no matter how fast they are, with our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and our suite of training programs to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. You can learn more about those at strengthrunning.com coaching. This podcast is supported by Inside Tracker. Created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data, Inside Tracker provides a personalized health analysis from the most relevant source, your own body. Get your blood tested to find the rate at which you're aging, recommendations to improve your health, and any physiological red flags that might negatively impact your running. Now you can get 20% off their entire store at insidetracker.com strengthrunning with code STRENGTHRUNNING. I scheduled an ultimate test for myself soon, and it'll be interesting to compare with the test I got last February. You can get yours at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning and use code STRENGTHRUNNING for 20% off. We're also supported by my favorite electrolyte company, Element. I brought Element to a group run just a couple weeks ago, and folks were thrilled to try it. Prevent the symptoms of electrolyte imbalances like headaches, cramps, fatigue, and weakness with Element. And they're offering you a free gift with your purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. They'll send you a sample pack with one packet of each flavor so you can try them out before committing. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to claim your free gift. My guest today is a member of our group coaching program, Team Strength Running. Ivan was able to successfully run 50 miles per week last summer during a base building program, but he struggled with similar mileage levels this year, feeling burned out and unable to perform. He also got COVID, which slowed down his progress. Now, Ivan's feeling a little lost, and he's unsure if how he's feeling is due to his training, his mindset, or something else. That's what we're going to discuss in this conversation. Now, if you'd like to join Team Strength Running, these opportunities are open to current team members. Get access to our training plan library, regular group coaching calls with me, our private forum, and more. Go to strengthrunning.com join to sign up today. Now, without further delay, please enjoy my coaching call with Ivan. Ivan, I'm excited to chat with you. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit more about the struggles that you've been having recently, and hopefully we can turn things around for you so that you're training well, you're feeling good, and hopefully you can go after some personal bests. So welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Uh, no, thank you for having me. Uh, like I said in our emails, I'm super excited to, uh, you know, to be doing this. Yeah, we're talking about a little bit of an amorphous problem. I would love for you to describe what you've been dealing with maybe since early this year, you know, for the last 10, maybe 11 months, you haven't been feeling great with your running. You've had some obstacles thrown in the way and you've had some setbacks. So can you tell our listeners what's been going on with your training? Uh, going back, let's see. So last November, um, I did the Orange County half marathon. And I think since I've been running consistently the last two years, that was, that was pretty good. I felt like at the peak of where I've been. 
and then after that, you know, the holidays uh, happened, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all that good stuff, life, you know, hanging out with the family. And my running kind of teetered there. Um, I tried to, you know, maintain my mileage. And I had peaked at about 50 miles per week leading up to that half marathon. And then after that, I tried to maintain maybe around 30. And then Christmas time, New Year's, I probably didn't run for like a week, week and a half. And then I kind of got right back to it the first week of January, started training for uh, a 5K. And all that training, I think, overall went well. It's been a long, long time since I've trained for a 5K at all. <laughs> so that was pretty structured, way more structured than I think what I'm used to. Um, and But even then, it, it was nice. I was doing track workouts. I was kind of doing everything. Um, and maybe looking back out on it now. I was maybe doing too much for where I was at the time. And I think since that training program was only about 12 weeks long, that was okay. My, my body handled it. And then that 5K training period ended. I went from, I think I started that training plan at like 20 minutes and 20 something seconds. And I ended at 19 minutes and 22 seconds for my, my goal race, you know, at the end of that training cycle. And so this was a 12 week training cycle. So that goal race was in March of this year. And so I was really happy with myself up, up to that point. And, you know, I got some, got some progress. Um, this is also shortly, I think maybe the last week or two is when I really started listening to, to your podcast and um, wanting to implement more strength training. So peak race took about a few days off, a week off. And then I kind of got right back to, to running again, again, like 20, 30 miles, then decided to do a, a base building plan to go from 30 miles per week all the way up to 50 miles a week, which seemed reasonable to me at the time because the half marathon I had just done this past November, I peaked at 50 miles and didn't, I wasn't feeling too bad. Um, so this summer though, I got hit with a few curveballs. Uh, I started off, I was a bit under the weather. I don't know if it was a cold. I don't know if it was a flu, but I, I wasn't feeling so great, uh, the first week, week and a half. Uh, so I kind of took it easy and try to ease back into it. And then after that, again, I was, I was right back on track, feeling normal, uh, feeling strong. And then... I got hit with COVID right smack dab in the middle of a uh, base building. I think I was in the high thirties, maybe the low 40 range at that time. And I had COVID before kind of like at the start of this whole thing. And this time I, I was bedridden. I was on the couch or the bed for like a solid two weeks um, thankfully, you know, I didn't need to go to the hospital or anything like that, but, um, yeah, it's definitely the weakest I've felt in since I can remember. And so getting back after COVID was, was a struggle, uh, week one after I came back, I was probably, I started off really easy, probably 10, 11 miles for that week. And then, um, you know, after that first week, I was still feeling a little uh, sluggish, but my legs felt good. So I increased it to about like 20 miles or so. And then, you know, I could feel myself getting better, but still overall sluggish. And then, um, so, you know, I tried to, by the third week, I tried to go back to where I was wasn't happening, which was, I think I tried to go up to like 38-ish miles. And then, so I just dropped back down to, I only did 30 miles that week. And after that week, I felt pretty good overall. So I just continued with training as usual. Um, 
and then that first two, three weeks, I was, you know, in the low 40s at that point, and I was still feeling pretty good. And honestly, if I'm honest with myself now, it was probably at about 44, 45 miles per week that I probably should have just capped it. I should have been like, I'm going to do maintenance at this for, for until I decide to do a race. But I convinced myself that I could still keep going, you know, that I had done 50 miles this past November. I was great. Then I could do it again. So I pushed through. Um, thankfully, I didn't get injured or anything like that. But looking at my runs, looking at my heart rate, looking at, you know, just all of my stats and how I was feeling, it was it was not a good time hitting those 50 miles per week. Definitely not worth it because I could have been run less and been happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> High mileage is, is quite effective at getting you into good shape, but it doesn't always mean that you're going to be healthy or happy. And, you know, hearing your story about how your training has progressed, about how you've flirted with some of these high mileage weeks and, and then also just, you know, not feeling well and having COVID and trying to bounce back from all of these recurring setbacks. I think it's a story that a lot of runners will, uh, will, will identify with. This resonates with, I think, almost everyone. And it certainly reminds me of some of my college years where I was constantly dealing with injuries and not the same problem that you're dealing with, but it's the same problems that impact your ability to continue to progress. And you kind of always have to go back and restart your training. And so you just never have this great build. You're always like, okay, I got to take a couple steps back now. And that becomes really problematic for your overall development as a runner and also for your psyche. I mean, let's not ignore the psychological toll that it takes when you're constantly not feeling good, when you feel like you've overreached and your body isn't happy with you. So there's a lot of things that, that I think we can address here. Um, I'm a little curious, first of all, about your history with mileage. So you were training for a half marathon last fall. You got up to about 50 miles in a week. And I also heard you say that you've been training now pretty regularly for about two years. So is that accurate? You're about two years old as a runner? Yes, since my friend convinced me October 2019 to pick up running again. Love it. Maybe a little closer to, to three years, but um, big high five to your friend for getting you into it. That's awesome. Okay, so I do think that someone who's been training for years, you know, two, three, four years can get up to that mileage level. It's not like, you know, you have three months of running underneath you and all of a sudden you want to go run 50 miles in a week. You know, we, we need to be a little bit more conservative than that. Um, how did the 50 miles per week feel to you when you were training for that half marathon last fall? Was it, was it something where you did it and it was almost an afterthought. It didn't really impact you too much. Or did you feel the way I felt when I was running some of my peak mileage weeks where every single day was a battle to get through it and just stay healthy until the next day? Was it was it that dramatic for you? So I did uh, kind of like what your training plans do where it's it's two weeks at that mileage. So the first week, pretty good. Second week, uh, probably more more closely to what you're describing, where it was it was a battle, maybe two three days into that week to just get through that week. Okay, and how many weeks did you stay at fifty? Did you basically have about two weeks at fifty miles? Yes, it was about two weeks at fifty miles. And was that the highest mileage that you've ever done? No, um, the highest I have ever done is a hundred mile week back in college. Um, so I, I guess I, sh I should do a little bit of background there. I ran high school and I ran in a running club in college. And then I got injured shortly after that hundred mile week. I felt invincible. I was trying to go out for the uh, a walk-on spot for our, our track team for the school. 
And literally, I ran a 5K at 16.14. And then I needed to be under 16 to even try to walk on. And then the following week, injured myself. And I basically didn't run from 2012 to this till again in October 2019. Oh, wow. So you're clearly a very talented runner. You're, you're not someone who doesn't have any experience with running very fast. You know, you've run about 515 a mile for 5K, which that's my, my math without doing any math. <laughs> I hope that's right. So you're clearly talented. And that leads me to think it's probably not the mileage that's making you just feel a little bit to, to make you struggle. So I want to explore a little bit that base training phase that you had earlier this year, where I think you got about halfway through and you just started feeling sick. You were getting close to 50 miles, I think. I'm curious what your workouts looked like during that base phase of training. Uh, during base phase of training, it was mostly easy miles. Um, trying to remember so looking at like mondays off tuesday it was kind of a shorter maybe four to six miles and then tack on some strides at the end and then wednesdays uh easy run and then thursday some sort of speed work uh whether that was a tempo run or a progression and then um fridays was a recovery run and then saturday Kind of same thing as Tuesday. It was just a, you know, four to six miles, and then tacking on some strides at the end, and then Sunday long run. Okay, so your workouts weren't terribly difficult, and it, it sounds like most of the pacing was either tempo pace or slower, which, in other words, means that your workouts were aerobic. You weren't really getting into that VO two max territory. You weren't, you know, going into oxygen debt for really any of these workouts. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes. Okay. So now I don't think it's the intensity side of, of your training with the exception of maybe how quickly you were running all that base mileage, you know, all that easy mileage, but you probably have a good sense because of your background as a fairly competitive athlete of what easy means for you. Can, can you give us an idea of what your easy pace was like during this time period of your running and, and maybe how that felt from a very subjective perspective? Uh, so easy pace wise, I mean, it was maybe at like on the, if I felt really good that day, like low eight minutes, maybe eight and a half minutes. And then on average, probably looking at like 930 to 1030 pace per mile Okay. for the easier runs. And then if I just wasn't feeling it that day, 10 to 11 minutes, maybe low 11.10. What did you race that half marathon at last year? Uh, I ran an hour, 34 minutes, and I think 40, I want to say 42 seconds. Okay. So we're talking about, I'm going to, I'm going to guess right now without doing any math again. This is the second time I'm going to get myself in trouble on this podcast episode doing public math. Roughly 725, 735 pace. Uh, do you remember the actual pace of the half? Uh, it was probably around there. I could probably look it up. Yeah, I think I think it's roughly 720, 730 pace. But again, that's public math. I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> but either way, you know what that's telling me, Ivan, is that you're also not running your easy runs too hard. You know, if, if your half marathon pace is 730, you know, I would say a lot of your running should be somewhere in the 8.45 to 10 minute range. You know, again, 8.45 paces, if you're feeling great, it's cool out, you know, you're not dealing with any heat or humidity. Um, you're not overly fatigued from a prior long run or workout or anything like that. Sure, 8.45 just seems very reasonable to me. Um, and also much slower if you're not feeling very good. So I don't think it's actually the intensity side of your training. Um, and, and of course, now we get into the whole issue of COVID. You know, COVID is such a weird uh, illness because it impacts all of us so differently. You know, you were bedridden for two weeks. Uh, it was the second time that you had it, right? Yes. So I had it for my first time, the first and only was this past 
uh, let's see, this past June, and I recovered fairly well from it. You know, I took about eight days off from running. I would say I, I laid on the couch and was completely unproductive for probably three days. Um, and then after that, you know, I tried to go for like a 10, 15 minute walk just to move my body a little bit, but I was able to get back into it. Some people are not really able to get back into it for much longer than just a week or two or three. It just takes more time because their body, it's almost like your body has undergone this enormous physical challenge, kind of like running a marathon. You know, if you go race a marathon, you might not be sore after about a week, but that doesn't mean your recovery is 100% complete. You know, your hormonal system needs to recover. You know, your heart even is a muscle and it worked really hard in that marathon. That muscle needs to recover. And there's a lot of other things that need to happen for you to be ready then for hard training. And one of the biggest mistakes I see is marathoners who then come back into hard training more quickly. So now through this kind of convoluted process of elimination here. I'm, tr- I'm trying to wonder now if, you know, maybe your return from COVID was a little bit too quick. Can you paint us a picture of what your training was like from, you know, from when you got COVID, you know, how much time did you take off to then how you returned to running afterwards? Yeah. So, um, I was basically in bed or on the couch for about the two weeks and then it was in the middle of the third week where I finally tested negative that I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get back out there. So, um, I think I ran only three times that week and got in some three mile runs and they were definitely sluggish. Uh, my heart rate was way higher than normal. Uh, they, they didn't feel so great. And then the second week where I did the 20 miles, when I tried to go out there, I I felt slightly better. Um, Again, not feeling 100%. I try to take it easy. Uh, Definitely running in like the 10-minute range. Um, Heart rate still higher than normal. And then it was on the, the third week where my heart rate finally, you know, I have a Garmin. I wear it to sleep and I can see my resting heart rate. It finally started coming down to i think my heart rate's normally like anywhere from 48 to like 52 53 so it was no longer like 60 which is where it was during most of covid in the 60s even when i was just laying there on the couch and it was it was coming back down to to the low 50s and so like this whole time i see the downward trend and i'm also starting to feel better and so that third week I hop back up to, again, like I said, I try to do 38 miles, wasn't feeling it. So I lopped off some mileage at the end of the week and stayed at 30. And then by the fourth week, I felt good. I felt like uh, my legs were there. I felt like my breathing was relatively back to normal. And um, yeah, so I just picked off, picked up from where I had left off at that point. Have you done any races since that base training phase in early 2022, or it was your last race that half that was almost a year ago? Uh, I did the 5k in March and then during base building, uh, since I just started, uh, one of your 5k plans, I actually just did a 5k. I ran 2046, I believe. And hey, wait, that was that, that was recent or that, that was earlier this year? Yeah, that was like a week ago. Oh, okay. And that, that felt miserable. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was not a fun 5K for me. And and I hope you take my laughing at your bad race performance as not in anything negative. I just think uh there's nothing wrong with bad races and, and we kind of have to laugh at them, right? You know, it's... Yes, that's the only way I can get through them. Like I mean you nobody else could see it. You can see with a big smile on my face, but that was that was a terrible race. Yeah, I look back on some of my worst races ever and and they just make me crack up laughing because they're so bad. I mean the level of unpreparedness is just comical to me. And and the spread between what you're capable of in a good race and then what happens on a bad day is so huge that I just have to laugh. So 
I don't want you to think that I'm laughing at you. I'm certainly laughing with you and the general running scenario of, hey, bad races happen <laughs> and we've got to laugh at them and learn from them and then move on. So it, it also seems like, okay, you weren't overdoing it with races. And, and the picture that I'm starting to see here, Ivan, is that you know what you're doing as a runner for the most part. You know, you are uh, running a lot of easy miles. You have a history being a competitive runner. You know, you've been on a team before. You've experienced the structure and rhythm of how a team trains and, and how you go through workouts and races and just sort of going through that process month after month. So that is very encouraging to me. And the good news is that I don't think we have a major problem here with your running. I just think we kind of need to get you back on track. Um, it sounds like you've had at least two illnesses that, this year that took you out of substantial training. And COVID was a, a longer term illness for you. I mean, you are not only bedridden for about two weeks, but then your recovery took at least another three or four weeks. And so now we're looking at, yeah, we're looking at well over a month, you know, at least six weeks or so of, of you not only being unable to build your fitness, but this is actually a period of time where you're experiencing a lot of detraining. So it's almost like it's not that you're not going forward, you're actively going backward. You are getting detrained, you're losing fitness, and your performances are going to really start to backslide. And especially after, you know, three to four weeks of, of either no or limited running activity, your fitness and performances really start to decline after about three or four weeks. You know, that's why a one to two break after a hard season or say a marathon or something like that, you know, your half marathon last fall, for example, I'm not worried about two weeks off as long as you get back into the rhythm of things, you know, within two plus weeks or so. But you had this extended period of time off. So I think it's going to take you a little bit of time just to get back into the swing of things. You know, you just ran a race. It didn't go well. We had a good laugh about it. But I think that's indicative of this process. And this process is rebuilding fitness and getting you to a point where you're fit enough to handle the mileage. And then on, in addition to that, we've got to layer in some harder workouts. We've got to layer in some substantial long runs. And then all those, those little things, you know, the dynamic warmups, the strides, the core and strength work, all this stuff that really makes you into a more well-developed athlete who's strong and can run fast and move well and be athletic. You know, that stuff has to come almost kind of after we've built a little bit of a foundation and you probably don't like this, but your foundation took a real hit after COVID and we've got to build that foundation back a little bit. So you just raced a 5k. How are you feeling right now? Besides the fact that your 5k didn't go well, how are you feeling with training and, and what does your mileage level look like right now? Uh, right now I am feeling pretty good. Um, the mileage is at, I think I, last week was 26 miles. And then this is another week of 26 miles. Uh, today's Tuesday. So I think it's the Bartlick, uh, Bartlick workout. And yesterday was a easy three miles with some strides tacked on at the end. And tomorrow's a rest day. So, uh, I, so far so good. Um, I think, let's see, this is already my, like a month in. So my fourth week of training, first two weeks were the low twenties and it's kind of a similar thing. It was the Monday was actually off and then it was part like workout and then Wednesday off and then Thursday, a more like a mid distance run. I think it was like five miles with some strides at the end and then Friday off. And then Saturday, short run and Sunday, long run or Saturday, long run, Sunday, short run. I'm definitely cheating because I pulled up the training plan that you're currently following. So I can actually look at it here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're at the point where I can probably start making some suggestions, some things that I think will be good for you right now. And then also in the medium and long term, as you think about, you know, what you want to do in 2023 and beyond. So yeah, I think you having some time 
this past summer to get back into the swing of things after COVID was a good thing for you. You've, you had some time for easy running. Now you're probably ready for a training plan. And with you being less than a month into the training plan, you know, I'm not entirely surprised that your, your 5k race didn't go super well, just because it's not really the time in the season to be racing at your best. That's probably going to, you know, take another four to six weeks to really start feeling like fit, like you can actually run hard and maintain that hard effort and and really just keep pushing. You know, that ability comes with the combination of getting your aerobic fitness up where, you know, you can, you can push for a while, but then also getting in some of those faster workouts where your body has experience with the intensity, you know, because you might have the aerobic fitness, but if you haven't developed any of that experience with intensity, it's going to feel so uncomfortable that it's, it's going to be really hard to maintain. It's going to be a shock to your system. So I think you're doing mostly everything right right now, which is really great to hear. Um, you know, I, I think one of the important things to, to kind of think about, which is probably very well ingrained into your thinking about the sport because you come from a more formal track background, you know, you're on a team, you kind of experienced this structure is that all training has to be cyclical. And I, I just recorded a video on this. I can't wait to publish it. I think when this comes out, it'll already be live, but there's basically four phases of training. If you were to like really simplify things, there's the rest phase of training. This is like right after your half marathon, you took some time off your body. You let your body recover. This could also be you know, someone who's very new to the sport, if they just started running, they're coming from a place of not running. They're coming from a place of of rest. Then there's the easy phase of training. This is like base training. This is where you're working on frequency and consistency. Okay. So let's start running five, six, seven days a week. Let's start running consistently over time. Let's get in week after week after week of consistency. Let's start building my mileage. Let's start building the distance of my long run. And we can put in a workout every week, but it shouldn't be too hard. It should be tempo pace or slower. It should be relatively short. You basically just want to get the wheels spinning. You want to do something, but you're really not trying to progress to very difficult workouts. Again, easy base training. I think you did that earlier this year. It sounds like you did some of that this summer as well before this 5k plan that you're currently following. And then the next phase is what a lot of coaches will call the competition phase of training. This is when you start doing more challenging workouts. You might start doing tune-up races. So in other words, this is where you start running hard. You're probably going to be getting into that phase of training very soon. You know, with more challenging workouts, uh, you might throw in a couple more 5K races. And then finally, there's the peaking phase of the training cycle. And that is you schedule, you know, maybe one or two races that you really want to focus on your mileage or overall volume might decrease, but the intensity might either stay the same or slightly increase. So the effect of this is essentially you're doing less, but you're still running fast very frequently. So you just feel quick, you feel good, you feel powerful, but you're not so tired from all the extra volume in your training cycle. Now you can only maintain this for a couple of weeks, maybe two or three weeks of just peak performance, running hard. You know, you might have two 5K races at the end of the season on back-to-back weekends. And then after that, you start to feel a little fried. You start to feel like, you know, oh man, you, you, you know, psychologically it's taking a toll on you. Your performances start to decline. And that's because you can't maintain the peak of that mountain for too long. You have to start coming down the other side. And that's where the whole cycle starts off again with a period of rest. I think one of the issues that you experienced this past year is that you couldn't continue with the cycle. You know, you had, you got sick and then you just couldn't progress. And then, okay, you got back into it, but then you got COVID. So you couldn't progress with your training. And then that COVID was a really long period of time where you were getting detrained. And so it's just going to be a longer cycle. I think the, the longer you take time off from running, the bigger the base phase has to be before you get into anything that's too difficult. So after you had COVID earlier this year, I think one of the best things you could have done is just run easy for a long time. 
let's just develop that frequency and consistency. Let's build back your aerobic fitness. It's essentially building back your capacity for the harder stuff that will come, the harder work that's to follow. And if you don't have that foundation, you know, there's really nothing for those hard workouts to sit on. It's almost like, you know, a lot of coaches will call, you know, the tail end of that competition phase of coaching or the peaking phase of coaching, the sharpening phase, you know, you're getting sharp for racing. It's like, well, but if you don't really have a big spear to sharpen, then it's never going to be very sharp in the first place. So you need to build that really big spear or base of endurance and that foundation first. Um, so I think what, what, what I'm hearing from you is that you had that base uh, late summer, early fall, and now you're getting into the competition phase right now and you're starting to feel good. I would optimize right now for feeling good. I know your performances might take a little bit of time to get back into the swing of things. You know, again, longer you take time off from running, the more it's going to take to get back to that same level of performance and and just how you feel on a day-to-day basis. So how are you feeling with running mileage in the mid-20s? Because I know that is something that is not very challenging for you. I took a lot of... uh positive self-talk to convince myself to drop from 30 to to 20. I definitely didn't want to do it. Uh, Part of me kind of still doesn't want to be running in the 20s because it's in the 20s, I guess. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm so used to running in, you know, the 30 to 40 mile range that I just want to jump right back into that. And um, you know, looking at the training plan, it's a 16 week training plan. Most of the training plans I do are usually like 12 weeks. So that extra four weeks, I was like, I could just cut that. And I kept telling myself I could just cut it and skip to, you know, week five and start from there. But after the summer I just had, I was like, I want to feel good. I, I want running to feel easy for a while. Because even at 30 miles, I feel like I would have struggled after this past summer. And I'm happy I was able to convince myself to just start and do the whole plan at the mileage it was at and let myself just rebuild to the 30, 40 mile range. Um, and so far, I'm, I'm very happy that I went with that decision. Because I think had I started week five or six, I wouldn't be feeling as great as I do now. So Ivan, I think one of the things that I'm learning from this conversation is that I think where you are right now, it would be really beneficial for you almost to stay the course, to follow this training plan almost to a T. You can add a little bit more mileage if you want to. You know, I'm thinking two to five miles a week, depending on how you're feeling, of course. And kind of see how your race performances go. I think one of the one of the things we have to remember about this kind of a training cycle is that it's not ideal. You're coming off of this illness, you had COVID, it it impacted you pretty substantially. And sometimes you're just coming into a season or a training cycle without the best prep. And you might be feeling good right now, which I think is the number one thing we should optimize for. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're racing at your best, you're racing to your potential. And I think it is psychologically difficult to be in that situation. Because if you're feeling good, you know, you start thinking, well, why aren't I racing where I think I should be racing? And the answer to that question is sort of, well, what happened three, four, six months ago? that would have given you this big base because running is a cumulative sport, right? Like what you do today helps you do something next week. What you do next week helps you do something next month. And so if you're taking all this time off, it sort of hampers your future performances. So if you're comfortable kind of having a season where you're probably not going to race at your best, I think still that's in your best long-term interest in terms of your development as a runner. So it's difficult, but I think overall, it's going to be better for you. What do you, what do you think of that approach? Because I, I know it can be frustrating. Yeah, no, it's definitely something I, I thought about after 
the this race uh you know obviously i was disappointed that i was so much slower uh than where i was at the beginning of this year uh when i started the my last 5k training cycle because i ran i think like low 20 minutes and you know or yeah like 2020 and then i ended that cycle at 1922 and here i am ideally hoping I would be in a lot better of a position than I currently am starting at 20, 40 something, as opposed to even being already, you know, in the 19 minutes range, at least like, obviously I understand I would lose some fitness, but uh, it's definitely discouraging to have lost so much fitness or at least feel like it's so much fitness. I mean, if I do the math, it's less than, you know, it's not that bad, but it looks bad to me. <laughs> yeah. So it's about 20, 25 seconds a mile compared with, you know, what you were capable of with your last 1922 5K. But, you know, what's really encouraging is the fact that number one, you've run about a minute, 20 seconds faster just this year in the 5K compared with what you just did a couple of weeks ago. And, the fact that your PR, which was granted, which was a while ago, but still your ceiling is really high. So your potential, your talent level, what you've done in the past is really high. And it's always easier to improve when you've already been there. You've already run a 19 minute 5k and an 18 minute 5k and a 17 minute 5k. You've gotten all the way down to 16, 14, which is really good. And you're going to continue to chop a lot of time off your 5k if you're consistent and if you're not too greedy with your training, which I don't think you're being greedy right now. I think you're doing a lot of things right right now. If you can just stay healthy, if you just make sure you're feeling good, but let's just keep, let's just remember your ceiling really high, you know? And so the higher your ceiling, that means the lower, I'm sorry, the higher your ceiling, the higher your floor, you're never going to go out and run a 29 minute 5k in a race. That's just not physically possible for someone like you who's been running for as long as you have and who has the talent and the background that you do. So the good news is that not only is your ceiling really high, but so is your floor. You're not going to start running 25 minute 5Ks. You know, maybe maybe when you're 70 years old and you've you coming back after 20 years off or something like that, but that is really encouraging to me as a coach. And I think you're going to continue improving if you continue to build a good, solid foundation. And I, and I do think it would be helpful for you to start flirting with some of those 45, 50 mile weeks after this cycle. You know, keep that mileage easy. I don't think that's going to set you back. I think what set you back last year was a series of unfortunate events. You basically just got sick twice, one of them was substantial. And that was the thing most holding you back last year. And I think what is most going to help you improve this year, this cycle, and the next cycle is consistency, getting your mileage back up, and then just teaching your body, helping it relearn how to run fast again. And I think that's going to come back to you very quickly. It's going to come back to you faster than you probably think. And it'll be one of those things where you might not experience much progress for a couple months, and then you're going to experience enormous progress. So I think staying the course and being consistent over time is your best path forward. I, I think that's very encouraging. Um, what's interesting is I don't, I don't like com- using my previous high ceiling, like starting running again in October 2019. I had to throw that out the window. I have definitely... Although I've been there, I'm not that person anymore. And mentally, that was the biggest adjustment I've had to make since I started running again. That's true for many, many runners. And even for runners who don't take a lot of time off, runners who just have a long career. You know, I probably cannot come within a minute of my mile PR anymore. I probably can only run two miles at my PR marathon pace these days. And so that really resonates with me. I mean, I have had to deal with a little bit of, you know, some identity issues. You know, I'm I'm not one of the faster guys anymore. 
And that kind of stinks at a certain level. But on the other hand, it also allows you to improve in a way that's very similar to when you started running, you know? So if you kind of forget your past as a more competitive runner, I don't mean to completely forget it, but let's not imagine that we are that same person anymore. You know, like I can't run a 433 mile anymore. I can't touch it. You know, those days are long gone and I would never train that way anymore, but it gives me, it gives me a lot of motivation to, to know that, Hey, I'm not going to run that anymore, but I still have a lot of, of ample opportunity for improvement. And so that to me is very encouraging. Um, and yeah, you just are going to stay the course and, and keep getting fitter and, and it's going to get easier and easier, um, the more consistent you are. And, and I think if you get to a point where, you know, you can more comfortably run mileage in the fifties and then start doing workouts in that, that's where some magic is going to happen. Cause I do think there's something about 50 to 60 miles a week and over that really helps runners improve by big margins and really start seeing their potential. Um, you know, it's, it's where I sort of draw the line between relatively high mileage and relatively low mileage is, is roughly 50 miles a week, somewhere along those lines. Um, so big things are going to happen for you. I think if you can get to those mileage levels and you can stay healthy. Now, do you have a problem saying healthy? Are you someone who's dealing with a lot of injuries, niggles, things like that? Uh, the only thing I really worry about is, uh, my quad because that's what I injured that basically made me stop running. Uh, and you being the strength guy for running, uh, I try to focus a lot of strength on, on my quad, both quads in general, uh, whether that is body weight exercises or hitting the gym and doing squats and deadlifts and, uh, leg extensions. Okay. So it definitely bothers me sometimes. And then I'll hit the gym and it just feels like I work it out and it just, it goes away. It feels so good. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I actually had not been feeling very well with my running the last couple of days. And so I did a bigger strength workout yesterday, did a bunch of squats and some other things. And I just felt great today. It's like that strength training clears out some of the dust in your muscles and works on range of motion and, and really just lets you stretch and move and load those muscles in a way that that is so beneficial for running. So yeah, I think staying consistent with strength training is going to be really helpful uh, as you stay healthy, particularly as you start building your mileage up beyond this current 5k training cycle. Um, and then, you know, one of the things I hope our listeners get from this conversation is just this idea of cycles. And that if you do experience a setback, the cycle has to be restarted again, and the duration of the early phases of that cycle. So in other words, the easy running, that base phase, that has to be longer, the longer time that you took off from running. So always think in terms of cycles, always think in terms of, am I ready for the hard training? Am I ready to race? Am I ready for the workouts? Have I built enough of a base of endurance in just general capacity for me to start doing that harder work? because it's really stressful and you kind of have to do, you have to do easy running before you can do moderate running and you have to do moderate running before you can do hard running. It's the general progression of effort. And if you start skipping any of these steps, that's when you increase your injury risk. And that's where you just have bad races and, and you don't really progress to the level that you normally could have. So I think that's a big lesson from this conversation, as well as I think being a little bit more conservative with pacing easy runs and the intensity of harder workouts, because that is what's going to hold you back a little bit more uh, in terms of injuries and coming back from illnesses like COVID. But in general, I I'm feeling really good about where you're at right now. And uh, I think one of the things too, is you probably learned a lot about yourself over this last year and what you're capable of, what you're not capable of. And that's going to inform how you approach your training in the months to come and years to come as well. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I think this was a good conversation to try and get me back on track. You're, I definitely did learn a lot about what my body can currently do and not do going forward. 
And uh, you mentioned having to maybe restart a cycle if there's a big interruption, like for me this time, COVID. Uh, that's honestly not even something I thought about at the time. And it just makes so much more sense looking back on it now. Yeah, that that six weeks or so where you were either off from running or just running a tiny bit, that takes its toll. So I think being conservative with coming back from any kind of setback like that. And then, of course, it doesn't have to be COVID. It could be an injury. Uh, you could have just maybe taken six weeks off because you wanted to go on a six-week vacation. You know, maybe you won the lottery and you want to travel the world for six weeks. You know, it almost doesn't matter what the reason is. It's, it's really the time off. Whatever the reason is, if you take that much time off, it's going to take even more time to get back into things. It reminds me of when, you know, I had to take about six weeks, or I'm sorry, six months off from running with an IT band injury after my first marathon. And it took me about six months of consistent running after I started again to even get back to where I was previously. So it was basically a year of time off and then rebuilding just to get back to my former uh, ability level. And so it was, it was a very humbling experience and it really taught me the value of patience because you can't rush things. Your body doesn't know you know, what your training plan is like. Your body doesn't know anything about that. It just knows adaptation and recovery. And are you kind of stressing your body in appropriate ways so that it has a chance to grow and build and get stronger and get faster and build more endurance? But the flip side of that is always the recovery side of things and resting. So um, yeah, I think, I think you're doing a lot of things right right now. And I'm really optimistic about your future, Ivan. Thank you. That is very encouraging and uh, very uh, good to think about and know. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap, any other follow-up questions for me? Any other random questions for me? Uh, I know this was a little bit of uh, uh, an interesting conversation in that it, it wasn't a super specific problem, but I also think it's a problem that so many runners deal with, you know, of, of just having setbacks of not knowing how to come back from that. And so uh, hopefully this discussion helped runners think a little bit more strategically about these kinds of scenarios. Yeah. Um, for the training plan, there are strides. If I wanted to do hill repeats instead, should I completely, you have two days of strides, should I just do both days as hill repeats or could I do one in one? So I do think there's some value in doing flat strides. So on flat ground. Um, but if you wanted to do something like hill sprints, mm -hmm. which, you know, the coach and me, I know we're probably arguing semantics now, but I'm, I'm very adamant a hill workout, very different than hill sprints. A hill workout is, is an actual workout. It's what you're going to do, you know, say for example, on Tuesday in this training plan, instead of a tempo run or a fart, like you do a hill workout, hill sprints are not really a workout. They're similar to strides in that, for maybe eight to 10 seconds, you sprint up a steep hill as hard as you can go. Maybe the first repetition is at like 95% effort, just as almost like a warm up. But the rest of the, the hill sprints are done at a max intensity. So it's very interesting for a distance runner, an endurance runner to do hill sprints because it's like a sprinter's workout. And we're not used to running at 100%. We are running maximum effort full push up that hill for eight to 10 seconds. Now, the thing with hill sprints is that they're only eight to 10 seconds. So they are roughly half, maybe the time of a stride. And you also get a full walking recovery. So I like 90 seconds or two minutes, you walk really easy down back to the base of the hill, you know, stand around, walk around for another minute or so. And then you can go on with rep number two. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's fine. Um, hill sprints and strides are similar enough where they can sort of be interchangeable. You know, I, I also think they're different enough where we should be strategic with how we're using them. But yeah, I actually like that a lot. You do strides one day a week, you do hill sprints another day a week. Uh, and because they're so hard and you're running uphill, start with maybe three of them. And then every week you can add one or two reps to the hill sprint session so that you know, at the end of a run, you run three, four miles, easy run. And then you do, I would maybe work up to, to six to eight hill sprints. You probably don't need too much more of that. Uh, 
you're certainly going to find elite runners doing more than that, but they might get up to 10. You know, us mere mortals, we probably don't need all 10 reps. I think six to eight is probably the sweet spot. Okay. Do you think it would be better uh, with the way my training week is set out, set up to do on Monday or on the Thursday? I don't think it matters too much. Um, I think I might start with it on Thursday. Thursday. Start with them on Thursday, just because if you are experiencing any residual soreness from the hill sprints, and you probably will the first one, two, three weeks, uh, then you're not trying to do a workout the very next day. So it's a way of getting in the hill sprints without having them negatively impact the faster training session during the week. Okay. Okay. That's good. And then, um, so long-term, like probably a lot of your listeners, I would like to qualify for Boston and listening to, you know, the, your podcast for some time, you definitely recommend starting off getting faster at the 5k. So I'm, I'm here trying to get faster at the 5k. How do I move up? Do I do 5k and then, you know, little rest period, 10k, and then just keep going because that's, that's basically currently what I have in mind. Yeah. I mean, I think it's generally speaking a great idea to move up in distance, you know, don't start running and start running marathons, you know, start with the shorter distances because one, you can race more of them. Racing is a skill. You are going to improve your speed ceiling. So the fastest that you can possibly go over a shorter distance, and you're going to improve your marathon time indirectly just by getting good at all those, those other events. I don't think you have to be so linear that you're going to, you know, okay, I'm going to train for a 5k and then the next training cycle, I'm going to train for an 8k. Then I'm going to train for a 10k. Uh, then I'm going to train for a 10 mile race and then a half marathon. It's like, well, that means you're not going to run a marathon for another like three plus years. We probably don't need to be that linear. Um, the general idea is just that if you already have some ability to run fast, it is going to make the marathon not only easier for you to complete, but your performance is going to be better. And you can see this on the world stage. Most elite level marathoners had a background in shorter races first. So they improved their speed ceiling. They got fast while at the same time running relatively high mileage and doing long runs. I mean, they weren't doing marathon specific training, but they were training for shorter races in the context of high mileage uh, training and doing substantial long runs. So the transition to the marathon is relatively simple at that point. Um, So you could train for a 5k and then, you know, maybe next spring run a half marathon, you know, maybe set up a season where you have two half marathons spread over the course of two or three weeks. uh, And that's kind of the end of your season. Those are your goal races. And then you could race a marathon next fall. So roughly a year from now, you could be training for a marathon with that goal. Um, but yeah, I, I do like to see a half marathon training cycle. Uh, you, and you've run 134 in the half roughly a year ago. So you, you do certainly have the ability to run a good longer distance race. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, with where you're at right now, if you could, you know, maybe run 88 minutes in the half marathon, sometime in the spring, then you should go after a BQ. And and I think with the BQ for your age being 305, I believe, um, I think you could probably get that. You know, if if you get to about 88 minutes and a half, then I would be very confident in you racing under 305 in the marathon, provided you're consistent, provided, you know, you're, you're still doing a decent long run. Okay. Sounds fun. So yeah, I don't think it has to take you years and years to finally do a marathon. You can jump (laughs) into it. Okay. That's, that's encouraging. Um, I think BQ for me is actually three hours. Okay. Well, that just means you have a little more work to do. Um, but you're not someone who shies away from hard work, are you? Uh, yeah. I mean, this just means that like the benchmarks change a little bit. I don't think your approach to training really has to change. Um, you know, now, now to get under three hours and ensure you got that BQ, I would probably want to see you at least run 85 minutes, but of course, the faster you go, the more capable you are and, and the easier that faster marathon time is going to be. 
you know, you can imagine if, if you start running 1630 for 5k, you're probably going to run 75 minutes in the half marathon. It would be really strange if a 75 minute half marathoner does a bunch of 20 mile long runs and then can't break three hours in the marathon. So you're always going to have a performance that's roughly equivalent in terms of how competitive it is to most of your other PRs. And of course, the closer they are together, the more accurate it is. You know, if you're comparing your marathon time to what you might be able to run over 800 meters, it's not going to be too accurate. So try to compare like distances like the half marathon and the marathon or the 5k and the 10k. But generally speaking, yeah, if you're running that fast, um, you're going to be able to break three for sure. Okay. So just some things to think about as you, you know, plan 2023 and and think about some time goals for yourself. But, you know, like I said earlier, I, I think you're on a good path right now. You know what to do, you know how to rein things in. And then also on the flip side of that, how to push a little bit more where it's strategic for you. So uh, let us know how, how the, the 5Ks go at the end of this cycle. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on in a year to talk about your, your 252. Awesome. Sounds good. I look <laughs> forward to it. <laughs> well, thanks, Ivan. I appreciate you coming on and talking about your running and talking about some of the struggles you've had this year. I think for a lot of runners, you know, it's been a rough couple of years with COVID and canceled races. And so a lot of us have been dealing with interruptions to our training cycles. And that was kind of the theme of this conversation. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode, my friends. If you found value here, I would so appreciate a review in Apple Music or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to keep listening to this podcast, support our sponsors who help me keep the lights on. Use their links and discount codes to support the Strength Running Podcast. First, I want to hook you up with some free electrolytes. Our sponsor, Elemental Labs, is offering a free gift with your purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You'll get a sample pack with every flavor so you can try them all before deciding what you like best. Right now, watermelon is my number one favorite flavor, although I did just get a package of their three chocolate flavors, including their caramel chocolate flavor, which I can't wait to try. They're always innovating, and I really appreciate that about Element. They make electrolytes for athletes and low-carb folks with no sugar, no artificial ingredients, or colors. It's surprisingly delicious. Seriously, everyone who I've given it to loves it, and it can be a helpful way to prevent dehydration, especially when it's warm out. If you sometimes feel overly tired or you get headaches, cramps, or sleeplessness, especially after long runs or workouts, you might have an electrolyte imbalance or a deficiency. Boost your performance and your recovery, especially in the heat this summer, with Elemental Labs. They're the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting, and quite a few professional baseball, hockey, and basketball teams are on regular subscriptions. Check them out at drinklmnt.com strengthrunning to get your free sample pack gift with a purchase, and you can get your hydration optimized for this upcoming season. We're also supported by Inside Tracker, a company that's been around for more than 10 years to help you optimize your health, longevity, and performance. Learn more at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning and use code strengthrunning to save 20% on their entire store. To live your healthiest, longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside your body. People age at different speeds and generic annual blood work doesn't properly evaluate your biological age, but Inside Tracker does. Inside Tracker is a truly personalized nutrition and performance system designed to extend your health span and slow down the aging process. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. Add InnerAge 2.0 to any plan, and you'll calculate your true biological age and see how you're aging from the inside out. For a limited time, get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash strengthrunning. That's insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. 
And then finally, what if I told you that you could get 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, prebiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop of greens powder? I bet you'd be excited. I know I sure am. It has a nice, mild, tropical flavor, and it gives you a nice shot of energy without the jitteriness of coffee. This is AG1 by Athletic Greens. It's recommended by professional athletes, and it has over 7,000 positive reviews. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system, and do so conveniently with one scoop of AG1. They're making it easy by giving you a free one-year supply of immune system-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs, so you can conveniently take AG1 with you if you happen to be going away for a long weekend. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Jason, and you can pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, my friends, thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll be in touch soon.